listening to the Dopos Podcast. Adam Doe, Ben Mullen, Hall of Fame Dopos guest here. Podcasting from the wilderness. And from the his, wilderness. His internet is amazing right now. Like, I can, no lag on the video or audio. Um, can, you, can you just explain how, how it is again? Is it just the Wi-Fi router in your place or are you, are you on data right now? Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm straight, I'm on the chat from my phone, which is running through data, but I got my computer in front of me, which is on the Wi-Fi. Ah, okay. Well, your data is like amazing. Yeah. Shout out to LTE. They do a good job. I have LTE too, but I, I wouldn't, I don't think I would trust myself doing a podcast with LTE. I think a lot of the signal strength is dependent on how many devices like in your vicinity are also connected to it. Mm. And uh, within a square mile, there are like maybe a dozen iPhones. Mm. That makes sense. So I'm not, I'm not competing. Birds are literally chirping. I would love I know. to be. I, I love, I love the ambiances. I, I like, I was setting up in my room. And I was like, you know what? Let's let's see if I can I can hook up the outside podcast just for the the energy. Ben is studying for the bar in the wilderness. Oh, buddy! And podcasting. My first question was going to be, what's your podcast setup? But it's literally just a phone, and you decided to go outside. Yeah, nor- normally it's a lot nicer. I have a I have a set of uh, Audio Technica mics that I normally use to record uh, into. Uh, I usually just record into either Skype or straight to GarageBand. Your sound is great, by the way. And it's just like your wired uh, headphones, I guess, earphones. Yeah, I've been shocked at like how good this sound actually is on these. So, okay, this, this, we're getting to the first topic I wanted to cover. What, what has Adam Doe been watching in quarantine? Because I, I have a phenomenal recommendation. Um, Hamilton has taken over my life for the past uh, two or three okay. days. We're we're talking Hamilton first. Productivity Hamilton. productivity is at an all time low. Um, I'm 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 in the I'm deep in the hole of uh I'm I'm literally watching interviews that they did like four years ago when they yes. when they were just still doing the musical. Um, so I I am a Lin Manuel Miranda stan, even though like he annoys me a lot because he's just like one of those people that's just like unrealistically positive about pretty much everything. But that's the kind of person that can make a musical. Like if you're pessimistic, you're not going to make a great rap musical about Alexander Hamilton, but he's been, he's come on a podcast that I've listened to for years called my brother, my brother and me, which is just like these three brothers from West Virginia that like the premise of the show is it's an advice podcast, but it's not really advice. And they read Yahoo answers questions and they've been doing it for like 10 years. And like, he goes to their live shows and writes songs to perform for them and stuff. Like it's, it's just like absolutely silly and doesn't take himself seriously at all. But going into Hamilton, the people that I know that really like Hamilton are not people I like hanging out with. Like there, there's like a, a lot of people that made Hamilton their personality for like six months after they saw it for the first time or listened to the soundtrack on Spotify or whatever. And so I was, I was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Cause these people really like it, man. Hamilton was awesome. I loved it. That's good stuff. Wait, you saw it in person four years ago? No, 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 no. I, and I, like, I, I avoided like the soundtrack and everything. Like I, I avoided everything um, until I got to like actually see it. 
the the optimism thing you said that's that's how i feel about running for president i feel like i could never do that you just have to be so optimistic and so hopeful of the entire country which really i was explaining to uh, our friend um stevie that our country is really more like maybe several different countries within the country where there's just things are just so different and so yeah it's it's the president is such like a weird thing because the type of person who wants to be president like you you almost have to have wanted that since you were in like kindergarten like you have to plan your entire like we saw a lot of that with the Kavanaugh hearings of okay who gets to be on the Supreme Court the person who has kept his calendars from when he was in middle school that he that he annotated everything he did on that's like the kind of person and you almost never want that person being the person who's calling the shots because they are weirdos these people are insane if you want to become president like i'm not friends with anybody who wants to be president like i don't think they're like hanging out with people i think they're trying to become president also just like my whole asian thing going on i, I i'm not hopeful for you know <laughs> yeah i'm not hopeful for asian american being elected president in the next Let's say 20 years. After 20 years, I'm more hopeful maybe, but probably not. So says somebody's got to be the first and you can't run till you're 35 anyway. Right. I'm so 21. You, you're, you're like right in the sweet spot. Yeah. I still don't, I just think the, there's still, it took so long for um, a black, uh, he's not even fully black, uh, Barack Obama, but he's half black and it just took so long for him to be elected. I just have no idea how long an Asian American would get elected and i'm again ben with the whole not hopeful not optimistic thing i i that just wouldn't do well i it wouldn't do well for me in the polls i just you know that's not something that i've ever really like thought about but just in the abstract trying to picture like an asian american president like that's a hilarious thought i love it like i i think there are most scenarios of that would go very well for us but just that like the state of the union and it's an asian guy but then but again, now, the, we, but we do so have now, we need we need to make you a green screen and try that out and go ahead and just start. You know, we got we got 14 years. Let's just see how it looks. I, don't, I, I personally wouldn't want to. It's, you know, like I saw an interview with Lin-Manuel Miranda, someone asking him if he wanted to be president. And he said, like, I'd rather chew on this piece of cardboard than run for president. Well, well that's like. Look like Stan Van Gundy getting on Twitter this week and just letting the chopper sing with his political takes. Like there, there is no collection of people in the DNC or the RNC that would be a better presidential ticket than some combination of Pop, Kerr, and Van Gundy. They would wipe the floor with any current politician in any debate and any sort of policy argument and anything. They want to coach basketball because they're normal people. It's a it's a life and it's kind of like a prison I think if you have to live in the White House and also you just lose your your privacy you lose your anonymity after you leave it's things will still kind of be the same ish. See that's the thing like I don't want to have to live my life with the burden of waking up every day and being like, well I'm somebody everybody wants to hear from, so I better go out and talk. Like that's like I I don't I don't know how Obama has I don't know like I don't I don't know what it is in him that makes him not just be on TV every day like I and I don't know if that's good or bad like maybe he should be maybe Obama should be talking to us all the time but like you really don't see Obama talking 
like frankly to the american people at all like that's just not a thing that comes up and like i don't know i feel like i'd want to do that all the time but maybe that's like against the the spirit of the office amazing self-control of obama i think to just not um want to fend off twitter trolls online like right well see that's obama has the lin-manuel miranda gene of we're gonna look back on the things that he did policy-wise and so much of it was trying to compromise with the other side, like the Supreme Court stuff where he, you know, he thought he was playing like the big joker when he said, okay, I've got Mitch McConnell and all these people on record on the Senate floor saying that they would approve Merrick Garland in a heartbeat. And so I'm going to submit Merrick Garland because he believed that anybody in the Senate is arguing in good faith about anything. And then they just said, no, dude, what are you talking about? We have this new rule that we just invented where we're not going to affirm anybody in the last year of a presidency because we have the votes. Like, he, he was eight years of it. Like, it, it's an amazing human being. He can go through seven years of the other side just saying, yeah, dude, you were born in Kenya, and thinking, I bet this is the time I can get through to them. I bet, I bet they'll agree with me this time. Okay, back to Hamilton on a more positive note. Um, I was thinking – do you have a favorite song or favorite songs? And if you do, I, I wanted to just like on the count of three, just like say what, what our favorite song or songs are. Okay. I, I, I've only watched the whole thing once. And so I'm, I've seen it twice. I, I have, okay. I've, I haven't done a rewatch yet. So I'm just going to be going off my first impression, but I've got a favorite song. Okay. Just, just one favorite song. Okay. I have two, but. A, a lot of the reason for that is I, I definitely know the name of this song. I don't know a ton of the names. Okay, okay. Uh, I have two favorite songs, but I'll, I'll just pick one just for this, okay? So on the count right. of three. One, two, three. Wait for right it. Right-hand man. Okay, right-hand man. Okay, wait That's for it. it. Wait, okay, yeah, okay. I wait for it's very good. Okay, my other one was Satisfied. That's See, yeah, that's – that. I, I just – I really – man, I love the George Washington guy. Like, I thought he was awesome. He was, like, perfect for that character. And that was also, like – the biggest banger of the whole thing of like you literally have cannon fire going off in the middle of it which i loved i, th I feel like he did his research in trying to find out how george washington sounded like and he did like a really he sounds like the stereotypical george washington that like we all imagined as kids i think and i thought the most important part of that was they just had like a big jack dude play george washington because like that's not something that you really like get in high school history is like, no, George Washington was like three inches taller than anybody else in the building at any point. Like he was massive and he was richer than all of them. Like he, he, like he, like all the, all the stuff about like, I, we should avoid a monarchy. Like that's crazy self-restraint by George Washington because he could have just been King forever. Like he just had that much paper and he was, and he could fight anybody. I satisfied watching satisfied in the musical it it was one of the only songs where um the whole rewind thing where they like rewinded and then I, yeah when I, that that was like one of my favorite moments was like realizing that they're doing like a, a flashback thing um because I and like the stage moving all that because like I've, I've I've gone to one Broadway show ever, and that was on a high school trip, and it was wicked. And, like, it was really cool, but, like, I don't know what Broadway shows look like. Like, I don't know how they're structured or, like, the things that they play with in the space. And so just getting to see, like, the one that won all the awards and how that actually works. And being shot like that, like, I don't know what Broadway's doing not giving us more plays because that was awesome. Seeing, seeing um, Satisfied, it really just made me go, like, whoa. 
I've never seen this before. And I think uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry, she's just like such a great singer. She was so, she was so good. She was so, so, so good. Like that, they, like that, that was another thing that like, good Lord, the casting on that, like just a bunch of monsters. Like there, there were like five people in that that we're going to be seeing for the rest of our lives acting. And then, I, so I, I chose, I like wait for it and satisfied because I feel like at my point, um, at this point in time for me, those two songs like really apply because wait for it. I think any, it applies to everyone, right? Like you see people, you see your friends, like um, supposedly going further than you. And that's like a universal feeling right there. And then satisfied, I think in the song, it's, she meant like, um, she meant like Hamilton not being, never being satisfied in like a romantic kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking for me, like, I'm, it's really hard for me to be satisfied in just like a career professional kind of way. Yeah, that's, I, I like that you hit on that. Cause that, that was like the most interesting, like philosophical thing about it is Burr's whole wait for it thing is totally right until you get to the thing that you should actually jump on, which he just repeatedly refused to jump on. And so it was really fun seeing like from the beginning, like, yeah, no, this guy's probably right about this. And then at some point, um, and, and Hamilton just like jumping on the first thing that was like his opportunity like that. It, it was really fun to see how that played out from like where I initially expected. Cause like, I, like I've read a couple like founding father books, like when I started studying constitutional law. So I know like a lot of the stories and I had no idea how much like artistic Liberty was going to be taken with all of that stuff. And like, it, they did such a good job just kind of accurately portraying the story like there were a lot of details that were like off like a lot of the dual stuff i think would have been cooler if they just did like what happened in real life but the way that they like nailed the dichotomy of the way that founding fathers argued about things was awesome because that's stuff that a lot of people just don't know anything about like how close it was that the stuff that we hold so dear as the foundational documents of our country like a lot of that stuff was one or two conversations away from never happening so how how did the duel happen in real life then? And which duel? Because um, there were there were like three, two or three duels. So the 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 one that I know the most about is the Hamilton Burr duel, which Hamilton. Well, so first of all, Hamilton's son's duel, him and the guy that killed him, they stood there for like two minutes before anybody did anything. Like they just stood with pistols by their side, and then like one of them moved and the other one shot, but nobody really knows exactly how it happened because you know people weren't looking. Like that was a real thing. And Hamilton, in his duel, like shot above Burr to discharge his gun. Like they went back to the scene a few days later, and there were like broken tree branches above where Burr was standing, where it had been hit by the ball. Uh, but it wasn't. Like custom in duel was if you're going to discharge your shot, you just shoot it at the ground right beside you. And again, nobody's watching. So probably what happened is Hamilton shot and it went like five feet above Burr's head, which is a loud thing to have a musket ball whizzing by your head. So he shot him back because he thought he was trying to kill him. Mm. Which that like was that's interesting. Like the just frustrating thing about the lives of those dudes is. At no point did y'all realize how silly this was that you were solving your your verbal arguments by shooting at each other. Like you're playing a game of chicken basically with your lives to decide an argument. Just moronic, all of it. I'm glad we don't duel anymore. I think that was a good decision. 
I like I like the way that they set up the duel scenes where they they list out the Ten Commandments of how the duel yeah is going to occur. I loved how when they were um, arguing on the important issues, but they set it up as a rap battle between Jefferson and Hamilton. It's such a creative way to like make it entertaining, but also explain what they were arguing about and and show like the like the weird formalities of that because like the dueling rules were written by scholars and you know people who developed it over hundreds of years and like these people spoke latin and stuff and so they they spent all of their energy coming up with these like super formal rules for shooting at each other instead of just if you want to shoot at each other you can shoot at each other watching uh wait for it and satisfied that that really made me you know understand why those two won tonys for uh best actor and actress yeah yeah it uh and, like i was i was like really happy with how good lin manuel miranda was on stage with a bunch of professional actors cuz like he was like a high school substitute teacher while he was writing plays like he he, he wasn't like I mean, like, he went to art school and all that, but, like, he wasn't, like, one of the top, like, Broadway actors. And, like, he, he, like, he clearly wasn't the best actor in the play, but I, I really like how he held his own with all of those people. Like, dude, the play Jefferson was awesome. Like, I, I loved that so much. The only, the only issue I had with it was, man, I wish Ben Franklin was in there, because Ben Franklin was the biggest baller of our founding fathers by a country mile. Like, he wasn't even close. Lin-Manuel Miranda said he, uh, he made... He made In the Heights and Hamilton. Well, he made In the Heights first because he just wanted to make a place for him. And he, yeah, he said the same thing you're saying, which is like he, he wasn't the best dancer or actor. So he just decided to make his own play. He's got bars. And do you know um, Hamil- the Lin-Manuel Miranda's um, understudy slash alternate, uh, Javier? No. Okay, so here's the thing. I've seen, so watching the original Hamilton that was streaming, I agree, like, Leslie Odom Jr. was a better actor, and he deserved the the, the Tony. But then I've seen, like, snippets online of um, Lin-Manuel Miranda's replacement, Javier Munoz, Mm -hmm. and I think he plays a better Hamilton, just from, like, the small clips I've seen. He's a better singer, too. Um, So what happened was that Lin-Manuel Miranda, he basically took all of his friends that he casted in, in the Heights and he just moved them over to Hamilton. So Yeah, that's that's I fig- I figured that out like tracing through all the Wikipedia. Like which Hamilton, great movie for just like hours upon hours of Wikipedia rabbit holes all over the place. So uh, this guy Javier Munoz, he was like I think he was Lin Manuel's replacement on in the heights in in the heights as well, and then mm-hmm. he moved over to Hamilton. So sometimes uh, Lin Manuel would just do the night show, and then Javier would do the matinee. And mm-hmm. just from the clip, this uh, the clips I've seen, I think Javier is a better singer, and he sounds like yeah. he sounds like a more bold Hamilton. Lin Manuel is kind of like a younger, you know, little little geeky Hamilton. The the oh, charm you see the charm in like how Javier basically. Huh. Yeah. I gotta, gotta, I, gotta I, go I gotta check this I gotta, out. I gotta, I gotta look him up. Yeah, Ham like great great movie. Like loved Hamlet. And I hadn't you know, you may not know this about me. Uh a lot of musicals back in my day. Many, many musicals up through high school. I, I think I quit when I was like fourteen, but tons of musicals. Love love a good musical. I wish I was the I was definitely the the kid in high school where I was like, 
no musicals are lame or i'm not i'm not into musicals so my high school did musical um they did musicals every year at least at least they did one one every year where like the whole high school and possibly some middle school kids and elementary school kids were involved too like hundreds hundreds of kids Mm -hmm. in, in in the high school or school district that were involved but i think to audition you had to like sing something and i just didn't want to do that so i never auditioned for even like the being a tree or something. I don't know. See, that was, I, my, I, I went to the same school, like kindergarten through 12th grade. And we had like 650 people in the entire school. Like the largest my class ever was, was 50 people. And so there are so few people anyway. And like, mostly it was just people whose parents couldn't come pick them up right after school. And like, a, like a lot of people who played sports because they like in the off season of sports, like you're still going to be hanging around school. Like you're going to go weightlift or whatever, and you need something to do to kill the time in between. And so it would just be like this weird mishmash of people of like, we didn't have like theater people. It was just people from all over the school doing stuff, which made the competition pool really small. So like, I, like I get to be like the lead role in into the woods. I can't sing. Like I literally can't sing. I don't know how to sing. Still got to be the lead role in a musical. Interesting. You're a very interesting person, Ben. Annie, get your gun. I was great in that. And I, I worked my way all the way up from, from my first appearance as a flying monkey on roller skates in The Wizard of Oz. I technically was in one musical, now that I remember, think about it. Um, senior year, high school, and junior year, actually. But senior year, I had a speaking role. Uh, it's my German class in high school. Uh, we did Sound of Music, but in German. So everyone in really? junior year, I was more like an extra or something. I didn't really say much. But senior year, I was one of the the brothers or the siblings, I think, for the Von Von Trapp children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was a Von Trapp. I was. I, I, I was the no. I wasn't a Von Trapp. I was the dude that dated the eldest Von Trapp. Mm, okay. At yeah. one point, yeah, that was that was a good one. Did that Fiddler on the Roof? Lots of lots of family romance drama. That's that's something I like in my later days. I want to get into again is musicals. I had a you know you know have you heard the stories of like some of the the Hamilton actors they forget their lines like in the middle of their performance even though they they've done this like hundreds of times. Uh, I had my oh. own I had my own moment of like forgetting a line where. I just like just stood there and just like nothing came out <laughs> and then people just started laughing, but they, they're, they're cool about it. See, that was, I, I really liked doing stage stuff. Cause that was like where I learned that I, I could be funny is uh, like forgetting your own line, like, and rescuing that with ad living something is really great, but there's nothing better than like you're on stage with two other people and both of them have forgotten where this is supposed to go. So you just get to take over for a little bit and ad lib. Like that's, that's really good stuff. As long as you know, like where you're supposed to land it. I appreciated doing the musical just because it was just, I wasn't being graded on it. We were all just doing it for fun and I messed up, but like, that's okay. Everyone laughed and that's okay. Um, I remember like a lot of people, they were complaining at the time. Like, why are we doing this musical? Because our, our, our teacher is like a little old, you know? So mm-hmm. we're, you know, people were complaining, but I feel like, low-key they appreciated doing that because it was like the last time for me anyways as a senior last time where we could do something fun like that before going to college and there's just no time to do that anymore yeah we should just all get together and put on plays more often 
I still have my scripts. When is when is the first basketball musical coming out? I mean, I'm sure there have been some, but like, let's like LeBron can throw some money to finance a good basketball musical. We could like let's let's. I. I, I bet we could get Chris Bosch to buy in on being like the script consultant for a like Heatles musical themed to Beatles music. I don't know about that's the copyright stuff that's on that. That's a good idea. That's but like good something idea. like that, like it'd be awesome. Ray Allen's not throwing away his shot. That's good. That's good. But you gotta you gotta tie in. So so if Hamilton tied in music with american history then something like the something a basketball musical would have to tie in music with basketball that's hard that's hard but i feel like everyone uh, was could, saying the same thing I mean, about you could, hamilton you could use like a dribble as like a kick drum i think it i think it works wait we, we yeah, already have got, high school musical. Also, we have high school musical ben oh I, I was great in high school musical too i was the school announcer oh what your your school got to do High School Musical? Yeah, bro. I think they had to pay a lot of money for the rights to that. Oh, because it was like it was like the year after that movie came out, we did it. My my high school is pretty uh, traditional. The people that were running the musicals every year were also in, um, in charge of like the the kind of like the the Glee Club on campus. So they mm-hmm. were they were actual fans of theater. So we had like Forty Second Street, um, The King and I. Little Mermaid, um, I'm forgetting, forgetting another musical, but yeah, no, ours, ours was mostly just like whatever, like Rogers and Hammerstein were selling on the cheap, like Oklahoma stuff like that. Mm. Oh, we had the Music Man. I like the Music Man. Oh, the Music Man. I've never, I've never seen the Music Man. What uh, so I, I'm, I'm really sure I'm gonna watch Hamilton a third time today, Ben. But I'm probably gonna split it up into segments because it's three hours long. Yeah, I think I think my next watch I'm gonna watch the second act and then the first act. Oh, because I like there the well because I watched the I watched it the whole way through the first time and there's just so much awesome stuff in the first act that like the second act I was just like distracted the whole time thinking about the first mm, act. Me and, too. Like, on me Wikipedia too. on my phone just like yeah, reading yeah. about like like Hercules Mulligan like I'd never heard of him like I read through all of the Lafayette stuff. Cause like, I literally just like, I knew that was a person that was French that helped us, but I didn't like know anything about him. And the, like the Lorenz guy, like that, that was something that I hadn't thought about until I watched Hamilton a big rabbit hole to go down is the people who died during the war that like would have been people that we remembered if they just lived a long time. Cause there were a ton of those guys. I found myself going on my phone a lot around this, the time of, um, Eliza burning the letters from Hamilton. That that was where the songs are kind of getting weaker. All, well, and... that was a, all all the slow songs. I was either using that like fifteen second skip or just like reading Wikipedia. I'm more of an Act One person than an Act Two person, but that's a good strategy. Maybe, See, maybe I should I, get back I, to a try. Right right now, I, I liked I liked Act One a lot more, but I I, I want to go back and watch all of the like Jefferson argument stuff because that's the stuff that like historically is the most interesting to me i think i probably just wasn't paying close enough attention because a lot of that stuff was super fast like they were they were they were really they were really rapping for a lot of that and so i feel like i probably missed a lot of it did you cry at all during hamilton watching hamilton i i teared up a, little, a lot actually uh i did not i didn't i then this will this will lead into my first of my first of two 
quarantine media recommendations. The only thing that I've teared up with in the last few months is playing The Last of Us 2. That's gotten me a couple times, like in unexpected ways. Um, Hamilton, didn't really tear up. I liked it a lot, but like it's not a new story. So there wasn't anything that just like hits you. And also like, eh, most of those were kind of bad dudes anyway. Like even Hamilton, like, I don't know. Hamilton was really, really smart. He did a lot for us. Uh, also thought it was worth it to go get in a duel when he was that kind of smart and had that many people listening to him. I'm beginning to uh, think I have like a, a soft spot for seeing, you know, people of color, any kind of color, um, accomplishing their, their dreams and goals. So that's what, like, when I see, like, performances by, like, Leslie Odom Jr. and uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry, I just, like, think, like, how, how long they've, they've uh, worked to get to here. So that, 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 that's what makes me cry. That's, see, that's, the, like, it's not like they just got that good at acting. Yeah. Like when there there are a whole lot of mediocre white actors that we've known since they were like 22 because they're like an Eastwood nephew or something. And those people had to grind until they were 40 to get put on like that and then everybody sees them and they're like, "Oh, they're really really good at this." A lot of them it was just like their first time on Broadway ever. So, that's just another another reason why I get very emotional watching it. Yeah, man, I'm I'm glad we've talked about Hamilton because that's like, it's it's so fun being like four years late to the party on that. Because like all of the stuff that I knew about Hamilton, like when it was like really really popping, I've probably forgotten anyway. So it's like almost like getting to see it with fresh eyes. I saw a, again, and I am deep in the the rabbit hole of just looking up videos four years ago. I saw a promotional video for the 2016 Tony Awards and the, the cast of Hamilton, they sang, wait for it, but they had a 360 degree camera and they were just mm-hmm. singing it acapella on the stage. So you could, you they were standing in the middle of the stage. So you could rotate the camera to look at the entire stage as if you were there. And then they were all singing it like around the, the 360 degree camera. It was amazing. That's awesome. I was I was listening to Wait For It and Satisfied yesterday on my walk. Those were my those were my pumped up songs. Yeah, that's my my title listening history because I use title because I'm a Neanderthal. For the last month is basically like the new little baby album, Future and Hamilton, and that's and Father John Misty, and that's like the only music that I've listened to. So I'm I'm glad that Hamilton's like snuck its way into the Mount Rushmore. I like um, history has its eyes on you. That's when, that's when, that's when uh, Christopher Jackson does his, his singing. I, I really like that. I like, uh, I, I, I love, I love that. Cause that's like, that's how I try to view the present times is like, okay, what does what's happening right now look like in a history book or on Wikipedia in the future? I guess more on Wikipedia. Cause that's, more relevant to us going forward but like what's happening right now how does that look like in 50 years once everybody kind of has a consensus on what's happening and like those like this like this is the thing that people don't understand about the founding fathers 
think of the biggest dork you've ever met in your life. They are 30 times the dork. All they did was sit around and read these like letters that they wrote to each other and all this academic theory stuff that like they couldn't look any of this up. Like it was just really, really smart people speculating on stuff. So you had to read so many words to even get to any sort of point. Like these are the biggest dweebs that have ever existed. And like part of the system that they baked, or part of the thing in the system that they had that wasn't baked in was like future people are going to be entertained very easily and they're not going to spend all their time sitting around writing and arguing ideas. And that's like part of the reason of why we're here today is our entire governmental system is based on the idea of the people who run this thing and the people who vote for this thing are going to be crazy informed because they have nothing else to do in their free time. Another song, I think, where there's a universal theme that can be felt by anyone. And I love, uh, I love when Christopher Jackson, he, first he says, history has its eyes on me, and then he changes it, history has its eyes on you. I love it. That was, it, yeah, it, there, there was a lot of stuff in that that, like, it was weird. The stuff, that, the stuff that you see that, like, speaks to the present moment while knowing that it was written in 2014 was really fun. Because they're like American history is just filled with those parallels of at any point you can jump back to there and analogize something. And so if you make a three hour play about it, like there's going to be stuff that you're like, wow, that's exactly what we need to be thinking about right now. What's your opinion on my shot and Alexander Hamilton? Because I feel like everyone starts off listening to those. For me, when I, I, I didn't see, see the musical, so I saw, I, I listened to Alexander Hamilton and my shot first. And I was like, oh, yeah, these are great songs. But then I moved on to wait for it and satisfied. And I think those are better. See, that's, I don't know, because like this, like that's something I've thought about a lot is like the way that I will take in an album from an artist that I like of, if I listen to an album once, my favorite song is almost certainly going to be one of the first three, because that's when I was like really paying attention because this was new stuff. And then as it keeps going on and on, I'm like remembering stuff that was said before. And I'm not like fully immersed in the moment of the latter half. So, like, I, I think it makes sense that most people, like, really love those songs because, if, like, if you're going to replay songs that you like and you like the first song, then you're just going to listen to that, like, 15 times before you've heard the back half of the album and, like, really listen to it. So, like, I, like, I, like, I, I really liked Right Hand Man, just like the And a lot of that was just the aesthetics of it. Like, I really liked how that looked on stage. And so, like, after I watch it a second time, I think I'm going to go back and just listen to it a few times and put it on shuffle and just listen to the songs. Because, like, there are so many songs on that where they're rapping so fast that, like, I have no idea what they said for, like, very long stretches. I thought it was interesting how they decided for the Thomas Jefferson intro song and make him, like, a country kind of character. He, he even sounded like he was a country guy. Old, old TJ is unbelievably fascinating. A great book to get, if you haven't read it, is the Jefferson Bible, which is the New Testament. But Thomas Jefferson basically cut out everything he didn't like. And so it's like a 60-page Bible. And it's pretty much just like the cool stuff that Jesus said. And like I have a copy of it that's like the from the Smithsonian that's like the it's like a scan of the original that he did where he literally just had like a dozen bibles and he was just cutting out verses and gluing them onto pages 
and he's got like his handwriting in the margins and stuff. Like, again, that's how big a nerds these dudes were is Thomas Jefferson was sitting around at Monticello could have done anything on earth. And he was cutting out verses from the Bible to make his own Bible, which is also like a bit of an ego thing. Like that's the person that wants to be president. The guy who says I can make my own Bible. If I didn't see the musical, I would have never known that he wasn't there for the most part. He was in France and then he came back. I, I would not have yeah. known that if I didn't Dude, see the hit, musical. That's, see, this, this is the movie that I'm waiting or the TV show or the musical or however we decide to tell it that I'm waiting for is the stuff that he and Franklin were doing in France. Like they were just partying their off. Like it was, it was like really high society and they were having like really intelligent conversations with all sorts of aristocrats. But like those dudes were just going out and getting hammered and hanging out with hot women every night. And then they came back after everybody in America had fought a war and were like, all right, we're going to tell you how it actually is. That's interesting. Actually, we should, I I need to look up why they didn't include Franklin in the musical. Maybe it would have been too much. Dude, he, he needs his own, like one of one of the best reads in American history is poor Richard's almanac, which is Ben Franklin's like, it's kind of like a farmer's almanac where he just published like, here are things that have happened and here's what to look for in the next year and stuff. But he wrote it like in character as this guy named poor Richard. And he was like really, really insanely funny. Like Ben Franklin is one of the funniest people that have ever lived. And he had a recurring bit every year where his his top rival in the almanac sales industry was this guy named Titan Leeds. And Titan Leeds would tell you, like, it's going to snow on December 6th and, you know, be prepared for a drought in the first half of June. Just stuff that, like, is, like, even today we can't forecast meteorologically. And so Ben Franklin would always start out his almanac with his predictions for the year. And one of them would be, predicting the exact death date of Titan Leeds uh, at some point during that year. And then every year he'd have like a new funny excuse for why that wasn't right, but he's going to get it right this next year just to make fun of this dude for being bad at understanding statistics. Knowing after you, after you saying that, I think, I think it would have just been too much to have another uh, founding father in the musical. Yeah. I mean, fr- like Franklin was just like, that dude was a cartoon character. Like he, he needs his own thing. And like, like the story of Hamilton, like you've got to keep that so concentrated because so much stuff happened. Another uh, reason why I'm in, I'm deep in the rabbit hole, Ben. I'm like a big fan of uh, Anthony Ramos, uh, the guy who played okay. uh, Lorenz John, and uh, John Lawrence and, and Junior. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and because, and also a fan of uh, Jasmine Cephas Jones, who plays Peggy Schuyler, because they're they're, mm-hmm. they're like a real couple in real life, and I love it. Really. Yeah. They, they apparently met like while they were gonna, they were, they were auditioning for the musical and they, they just started dating. They, uh, they're, they're engaged. And I'd love to be the lawyer for their prenup. <laughs> Jazz. Okay. Jasmine Cephas Jones. Does that last name sound familiar to you? Cephas Jones. I know both Cephas. That's Hank Williams Jr.'s guitar. Her dad is Ron Cephas Jones. He was in, he's been in a couple of, uh, pretty hit shows i think oh yeah i've seen this dude this i i love the like six degrees of separation for literally everything that we have now where most people you can just find some sort of connection point that you already know i think uh christopher jackson also found 
his uh, wife, either on In the Heights or in Hamilton. I think In the Heights, but yeah. Lin-Manuel is uh, changing lives in more than just, you know, professionally. I Man, I'm, I'm so excited to see what he ends up doing because, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda is so paid right now between Hamilton and doing all the Moana stuff. Like, he gets to do literally whatever he wants for the rest of his life now. And, like, I bet we're going to get some real goofy shit from him going forward. Like, he's just going to do some stuff that, like, is not, com- like, majorly commercially viable just because he wants to do it and he has the bread. I saw from a report saying that he gets about 3% royalties from every Hamilton performance in the world. So that's Broadway. Yeah, that's how, that's a, we, we did, uh, we did Broadway stuff in my entertainment law class last year. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, uh, that's, so now that, so Hamilton is like in multiple locations in the world. So that's Chicago, West well, End, Broadway. The, the Disney, the Disney streaming acquisition was like $70 million. And I bet he got, I bet he got at least 10 of that. He doesn't act like he's rich though. He acts like uh, nothing's changed though. He, he is an interesting dude. Like, like he, like even like, like I was talking about that podcast that he's been on, like one of the, one of the lines in his uh, like battle with Jefferson is a reference to that podcast where when he says unless he says it like one of the like little like reoccurring things that the, that the brothers do in that podcast is they'll, start to like answer a question and then one of them go unless and he works that into the play and then like i I found on twitter like he had confirmed that that was a reference to this little podcast of these brothers in west virginia like like he's he's very much like his own person and like i i hope that he hasn't because like once you get involved with disney like their vultures come in like the the like the suits come into the room and try to tell you what you're supposed to be doing and so i hope he's he's been good at like resisting all of that and just does whatever he feels like doing because i bet whatever he does next that's really big is just going to be some really off the wall i i don't know about that i feel like he's one of those people that he chooses to spend his time pretty effectively and anything he touches like becomes like magic that's yeah because he like I think he, I think he definitely has the skill of like picking the story to tell. Like, I don't think he's going to engage in something that that's, we're not going to all find like super interesting. Hopefully by the time, if he decides to make an, another musical and if it somehow becomes better than Hamilton, I hope that by that time we're pretty well into our careers and we have the money to go and see the show live. That'd be pretty right. amazing. Right. That's like, that's what like musicals are so weird because they're just like, it's crazy that something like Hamilton can blow up without anybody actually having seen it. Like, I don't know. I don't, I think I had like two professors in law school that had gone to see Hamilton, but I didn't know anybody else that had gone to see it. And it was still in our collective conscious for like 18 months. And that like, that hasn't happened with any other Broadway play. Like it's, it's so crazy that that was the one to break through. And that like the brilliant idea that nobody had thought of is like i don't know maybe we shouldn't put all white people on the stage so like i'm i'm hoping that like we get some lin manuel copycats that that like take it a little bit further and then he gets to push it further than them and then they try to catch up and like we get some interesting musicals cuz i'd be like totally fine 
Like I, I'd be cool if musicals were like the way that I look at the UFC of, you know, every like three weeks or so I check in and I'm like really into it for like five hours and it's awesome. And then I'll forget about it for a month and then come back in because something awesome has come out again. According to Leslie Odom Jr.'s vlogs that he did four years ago when they were still filming. Look, I, 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 I'm you, in the rabbit You are like a Hamilton deep expert. I can't believe, according to Leslie Odom Jr.'s blogs from four years ago, Adam, this is, I had no idea. This is incredible. I, okay, let me just tell you. I, I now understand the appeal of wanting to be a theater kid when you were like in high school. I understand why people are into it now because it's so fun. But um, it's so fun. And it's an art form that like has not even come close to evolving to where it should be. Like they just started rapping. Yeah. Like rap's been here for a minute. I don't know why you didn't pick up on that earlier. Yeah. Well, anyways, I was apparently so Broadway.com, they asked Leslie to do eight vlogs within eight weeks for like the last time, the last couple of weeks that he was gonna be on Hamilton. So he gave us like behind the scenes look on everything. He basically mm-hmm. said that the reason why not many people heard about it is because they wanted to keep the experience like private. So they purposely didn't go you know, perform at the Thanksgiving parade or something like that. And they, they more, they, more so they just did like talk in talk show interviews at night. That's, that's, that's all. Um, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the, I, I, the internal politics of that stuff on Broadway really fascinates me. Cause you know what? I really, really want to see the book of Mormon. I really want to see, like, I'd, I'd pay $50 to watch the book of Mormon. I got no way to do that. Like the fact that Hamilton, and I mean, I, you know, I guess you're not going to say no to, $70 million from Disney and that's how it gets happened. But I'm sure there's a ton of stuff on Broadway. That's just not ex- like accessible to people outside of that. I mean, it, it's just a proximity thing. And it's, I think it's really dumb for art to be in a place where you have to live close by to be able to experience it. Like I, I'm sure going to see Hamilton in person is a different experience. And, you know, maybe it's some sort of transcendent religious thing. But I don't know. I really liked it. I thought it was great. I enjoyed it a lot. And I'm sure a lot of other people did. That should happen with more things. Leslie was kind of explaining that they wanted the true committed fan to show up to like New York and Broadway to go see it live. And so if, if, they, if they made it more accessible, then some people would just like be okay with that. And they won't, they won't want more. And they won't want to come to the theater. That was his reasoning, which, which makes sense to me. I mean, it, it makes sense from like a money-making perspective, which Hamilton did do a lot of good stuff with like doing raffles outside of the theater that anybody could show up to. And I've seen so many, like I've seen so many of hands. those. I've seen so many of the ham for hams. Yeah. I, I like, I really, I really like that. Like I, and that's like, that's one of the reasons Hamilton was the one that blew up is like, it's not just that the play was great. Like they did all the like ancillary stuff around it. Right. In a way that like, I, 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 can you name one new Broadway play from the last five years other than Hamilton? Because I can't. One Broadway play other than a Hamilton? new one. A yeah. new one. What's an original Broadway play in the last five years? I don't, I don't know, man. See like that, like that's how early we are in like Broadway being like a widely accessible thing is I can name one from the last five years. So like I'm I'm really hoping this becomes like an actual genre. Like 
if you're Disney and you have that much money to just risk on stuff with the possibility that it fails, why would you not just become the company that brings you Broadway at your house? Because I'm sure it's not the only good play. I'm sure there are other good plays out there, but it's just the only one that I know about. I really think it's the, the higher ups in the theater world that are contributing to these decisions. And I think it's because they're, let's assume like they're, they're, they're pretty old. They're in like their fifties or sixties making these decisions. And so they're kind of, they're not willing to let go of the, the theater world and the intimacy of the theater world. So by making it more accessible to the world through Disney, it's you're, you're, you're losing out on that exclusive intimate experience. So here, here's a loose legal analogy of like the, the type of thinking that ends up with where, where we are with Broadway today. So I, the last few days I've been studying torts for the bar, which is crazy that we call that subject torts because it's not something that normal, like what, do you know what a tort is? I've heard about this. I, I have no idea what it means. Exactly. So a tort is basically something that you do to another person that you get to sue them for that's not criminal and doesn't involve a contract. So basically any, any, anything that's not criminal or doesn't involve a contract, most of that fits into torts. So it's like battery and assault and infliction of emotional distress, that kind of thing, false imprisonment, kidnapping, that kind of thing. So the, the lectures of this series that I've been watching is this great guy, uh, Roger Schechter, shout out, to, shout out to old Raj. And he was explaining like the language, because a, a lot of the bar you have to write essays and you just have to use the magic phrases. Like it doesn't matter if you understand what's going on. You got to use the words that they're going to recognize because it's one person reading 200 essays and they're just scanning the page for certain things to, to give you points. And for a assault, which here's a fun thing for the, the general populace. Do you know the, the difference between battery and assault? No, there must be a lot, a big difference, right? But it, it's, but when you use it, like it, it's like the same thing, right? Like mo if I were to talk to somebody who hadn't gone to law school and I said assault or I said battery, I'm probably meaning the same thing, except in the law battery requires you to touch somebody which could include touching something that's connected so like if you're riding a horse and i slap the horse's ass, because you're sitting on the horse that's technically part of you you're like a centaur for legal purposes but an, an, an assault is putting you in apprehension of a battery now the word apprehension most of us know this word it, it it's pretty much fear, right? Like if you apprehend something, you're, you're concerned that it will happen. And the way this guy explained this was the people that wrote the restatement of torts in the 1970s were mostly 70 to 80 year old white dudes. So you, you've got people who were born in 1900 who then wrote this stuff in their seventies. And that's the way that we talk about the law today. And so when they say apprehend, what they mean is, expect or think will happen. So you could say, I apprehend I'm going to go to in and out this afternoon. That's the way that they use that word. And so now we have like 30 years of lawyers who have to twist this word that we all know means something else into meaning I expect 
and like you just you get people who are so anchored to the way that we thought a hundred years ago and it's just it's it's so weird that they almost literally have to die for things to move forward because nobody wants to call them out on how ridiculous they're being about about thinking about the system that's something i've learned just from like the the basketball world i think of just um not holding on to your ideas like super closely and just be willing to let them go if you find something better that's why that's why sports are the best because you got a scoreboard if three if three pointers are better than two pointers and you haven't figured that out you're just going to lose 35 games before you know what hit you like you're going to get to the all-star break and be and be 15 games under 500 because you don't understand it and with anything that doesn't have a scoreboard you can just kind of explain it away because there's not like the one thing that you can look at to tally up the scores. Broadway is another reason on my board for why I want to move to New York in the future after graduating at least. And also I want to experience weather. I've had like sunny (laughs) days for a lot of my life actually in California. How many times have you seen snow? Um, A couple times actually. I've been to... I've been to like Illinois in the winter. I've been to Wisconsin to snowboard. Um, so I've, I've maybe seen it seven times in my life. That's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, I've been to Big Bear, See, that, Big Bear in like, California. Oh, okay. See that like you, you, when you and Stevie were talking about the United States, cause I've, li- I've listened to most of that episode now. And like, it's something that I've come across this TV explaining the United States to people who haven't really been around here for a long time is so much fun because like, it's not the same place. We just happened to win a couple very vital wars and we still legally own all this land. And now nobody's going to be able to take it away from us because we've, we've kind of let this play out for long enough, but there are very few places on earth that have, you're saying like i've seen snow you know 10 times there are people that see snow like half the year here and we all have the same government like that's that's the variation that we have and it's just not like that most places what do you think stevie would think of tennessee i don't know i'm gonna get him to come here eventually uh dave severns was supposed to be here in august for a, a coaching thing and we were gonna hang out but that's been canceled because you know we're literally the worst country in the world at handling a pandemic which is just honestly remarkable like i did i i didn't think we'd be the worst i thought we'd be bad i didn't think we'd be the worst but man i yeah i because that that like tennessee is and i mean everywhere you know most places in america outside of like los angeles and miami and new york and a couple other massive cities are pretty much the same place now like you've got the Applebee's next to the Shell gas station across the street from Chipotle. And it like it's pretty much the same across the board, except for like a few specific cities. But like somewhere like Tennessee, you can leave Nashville and then spend three hours driving without seeing anything but trees at all. And and the places close to like the biggest cities, like you're just going to run into suburbs that are still like half a million people just because of how many people live in that area and in a total. Like it's, it's, but at the same time, like the internet has made us kind of all have the same experience whenever we, you know, look into a screen, 
mostly just looking at the same few things, but the, the like external geography of it is a little bit different. But like I, I, I went to Pennsylvania to visit one of my buddies last summer for the first time and just like driving around, I was like, oh, this looks exactly like Tennessee. Like I never would have guessed that there were places in Pennsylvania that looked exactly like Tennessee, but like it was the same kind of trees and, and foliage and all that stuff and like sparseness. And you just don't think about it like that until you actually get to see it. I do want to give a plug for my number one quarantine content recommendation. I want to make sure I get this on the dope post so more people know about it. Get on YouTube, type in Super Dave Osborne. Adam, do you know about Super Dave Osborne? No, I don't. Okay, do you know Albert Brooks, the movie director? Nope. Have you heard the Okay, so Super Dave Osborne is this guy named Bob Einstein. He died last year. There's a character that he played named Super Dave Osborne, who was a stuntman. This, this, there are probably 20 hours of this on YouTube that you can watch. I recommend every second of it. Super Dave Osborne, he has ridiculous stunts, and they always kill him every time. This was made like late 80s, early 90s. Like one of, one of his signature stunts he did was uh, he set up a guillotine, and he was going to pull his head out before the blade got down to him and he ended up with his head chopped off and then the next segment is like him on Johnny Carson just as a head sitting on a table like constantly falling over um, he, he, he did you know like a bungee jump and the bungee jump snapped and he splatted and died uh, just one of the most magical positive things you could ever see in your life that involves somebody dying like 200 times uh, so go watch Super Dave Osborne best quarantine recommendation i have so many questions about what you just said but i'm not gonna make this podcast go longer no everybody go consume all of the super dave content without context i if that didn't sell you on it you you're soulless and i don't want to ever speak to you in my life um just go watch all of the super dave stuff he's got he's got a billion great interviews on letterman and and camel and everything like one of the funniest human beings ever to be alive. I heard him on sports radio say once that Rob Gronkowski is not human in the sense that he goes back to the sideline and they strap a feed bag to his face. And that's how they, you know, get him ready to go back on the field. All right, Ben, any, uh, you're, you're, you're studying for the bar right now. Um, how, how's that going? Last thoughts. Um, any bar, any bar tips you want to give maybe? Any bar tips? Uh, yeah, if you're, if you're ever interested in taking the bar, if you're ever interested in, in doing any lawyering, uh, study for the LSAT for like six months. Go wherever we'll let you go for free. And then pay attention to your bar software that tracks all your results on all your practice questions and do like a thousand practice questions and you will pass the bar. All right. And was... also... Uh-huh find the fun in it because that is difficult. And if you can do that, it makes studying a lot easier. Okay. Well, that was, uh, Ben, thanks for coming on the show. You're a hall of fame guest, as you know. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to my plaque arriving in the mail at some point. Oh yeah. We don't have the funds yet for that, but you'll be the first to get it. Once we do have the funds for that. I was thinking more t-shirt t-shirt more. It seems more practical though. Well, I, I think I'm going to start adding it to, to resumes. All right. Thanks, man. All right. See you, Adam. See you.